The following is a presentation of Tomorrow's World. What a startlingly amazing world we live in today. Mankind has landed on the moon, sent probes out beyond the solar system, and is on the verge of creating technologies that only a generation ago would have seemed virtually impossible. We continue to advance in medicine, technology, and science in ways that stagger the mind. And yet we also live in a world of horrific evils that stagger the mind just as well. Sex trafficking, bloody wars, famines, suffering and disease, terrorism, and economic chaos. What a contradiction. With all that we know, why can't mankind learn how to live? What's holding us back? Well, today on Tomorrow's World, we'll answer that mystery and we'll see that peace, happiness, and joy really are just around the corner. Stay tuned. Greetings to our viewers around the world and welcome to Tomorrow's World. I'm glad you've joined us and I can't wait to get to this week's topic. Today, we'll be discussing something that has been on the minds of many of our viewers. And during the program, we'll give you an opportunity to request a free audio CD. This CD, which can be played in your home or car stereo, contains vital biblical information of urgent prophetic significance. So be sure to write down the contact information that appears on your screen to obtain your copy. Now, in many ways, we live in an amazing world that our great-grandfathers, even some of our fathers, could never have imagined. Mankind has a regular presence in space, either personally, such as in the Permanent International Space Station, or through our several thousands of satellites and planetary probes. The two-way wrist TVs of the Dick Tracy comic strip in the 1960s look positively quaint next to what we have these days in our cell phones, with video and audio, GPS locators, access to the World Wide Web, and, of course, you can make phone calls on it, too. In medicine, mankind has learned remarkable insights into the workings of the human body. Advances in sanitation and cultivation have saved countless lives and fed millions. In various scientific fields, we've made almost unbelievable leaps in our knowledge about God's creation from the farthest galaxy to the smallest subatomic particle. Yet, on the other hand, alongside all of this truly remarkable progress and stunning human achievement, the world today continues to be filled with violence, suffering, and death. All at horrific levels and not showing any signs of letting up, if anything, many such evils are increasing. We certainly haven't conquered the elements. In the most recent decade, incidents such as Hurricane Katrina the Sumatra tsunami and the earthquake in Haiti killed almost half a million people and displaced nearly two million people from their homes. But even more inexplicable, in light of our phenomenal advances, are the persistent and growing human evils in the world. Man continues to butcher man, even inventing more and more powerful technologies to do so. Terrorists devise increasingly powerful means to bring death to innocence including the growing potential to unleash radioactive, chemical, or biological plagues that may kill multiple millions. The United States 
a nation that symbolizes human freedom in the world, is ironically a major center of illegal human trafficking in which between 14 and 17,000, mostly women and children, are traded and trafficked every year in forced prostitution and slavery. The scourge of illegal drugs that ravage the body and mind, destroying entire families, and criminal violence of every variety imaginable seem to be permanent features of our cities and urban areas. Gangs, prostitution, serial killings, drug wars, while mankind has made remarkable progress that truly can be a source of awe and wonder, how paradoxical that for all our leaps of growth and understanding over the millennia, we cannot seem to rid ourselves of human suffering. If anything, we seem to make it worse. The seemingly limitless capacity of humankind to be creative that has enabled us to invent the most amazing technologies for the betterment of mankind is also employed in the most diabolical and devilish of ways as well. Why? Why, with our incredible talents and abilities and intelligence, can't mankind simply figure out how to live? The answer is that the planet Earth is a world held captive. It's a world held enslaved and deceived by Satan the devil who rules this world. Don't take my word for that. Look in your own Bible. Jesus Christ himself refers to Satan the devil as the ruler of this world on three separate occasions. The Apostle Paul calls Satan the god of this age and the prince of the power of the air. And in the temptation of Jesus Christ recorded in the Gospels, Satan points out to Christ that the world in this age has been given to him and he's able to give it to whomever he wishes. Though it is beyond the scope of this program, let me just say here that God did not create Satan the way he is. Scripture indicates that God created him to be an angelic being of beauty and placed him in charge of the earth before the creation of mankind, perhaps to prepare it for God's purposes. But his heart was filled with pride, and he chose to rebel against God, drawing one-third of the angels with him into rebellion. Rather than living God's way of life, love, and peace, he wanted to choose right and wrong for himself. Now, as we'll happily see later, and as you'll hear on the free audio CD we're offering to all of our viewers today, he will not remain this world's ruler forever. But as Christ says he is, indeed, its ruler for now. He truly does hold this world captive. And because the world is deceived, it has no comprehension of its captivity. In fact, like one who is perversely fallen in love with her kidnapper and abuser, humanity has come to love its captivity and has taken on the values of its deceiver. This begins to explain why mankind suffers in this life and cannot find the true solution for his ills. But it's not enough. How did humanity come to be in such a state of captivity and deception in the first place? And how will he ever escape it? If he ever escapes it. To understand that, we must go back to the very beginning of our civilization itself. We'll do that in a moment. And we will see that it all begins in one wonderful place with one simple instruction 
that was followed by one tragic choice. But we will see as well that it is all part of one glorious plan with one unbelievably beautiful hope crafted by one remarkable God. But first, I want to mention to you the CD that we're making available to everyone who calls today or emails is titled, The Day of the Lord. The incredible climax of God's plan for mankind is fast approaching. History itself has been building up to this very day, and Jesus Christ is returning soon to establish His kingdom for all eternity. Jesus Christ said, freely you've received, so freely give. And this offers just that, completely free. Contact us today and request yours. To receive this program's offer absolutely free, or if you would like more information, visit our website online at tomorrowsworld.org. Once again, that's tomorrowsworld.org. Or you can write us at the address shown. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World. Call now. Welcome back. As we discussed in the first part of our program, the history of mankind has been one great contradiction. Humanity is able to achieve such marvelous progress in knowledge and technology, and yet human suffering, violence, and death seem with us every day, even increasing in its scope. As God described through the biblical prophet Isaiah, the way of peace they have not known. To understand the source of mankind's inability to achieve true progress and peace without magnifying his own suffering, we have to look at the beginning of our civilization. What is the origin of the society that we see around us? Well, it all starts in a beautiful garden and with humanity's first parents, Adam and Eve. Turn with me if you have a Bible to Genesis chapter 1. And if you don't have a Bible, please note these scriptures down if you can. Don't take my word for it. Check up on me. In the first few chapters of Genesis, God tells us of the creation of the world that we now see around us. Over the course of six days leading up to the seventh day Sabbath, we see God fashioning the world, separating light and darkness, for instance, on the first day, and dividing the atmosphere from the waters of the seas on day two. Now, if we jump to day five, what do we see happening then? Let's look in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 21. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded, according to their kind, and every winged bird, according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. So we see the beginning of the animal kingdom, sea creatures according to their kind, birds according to their kind. Now let's continue to day six. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. 
and God saw that it was good. Now notice again, each animal according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kind. Then things change. And we see one more creation on day six. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. There are profound truths in this verse. First, we'll just know briefly that God says, Let us make man in our image. That's because the one God is a family. When we talk about God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, we're describing a family relationship. And verses such as John 1, verses 1 through 3, and Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 9, explain that it was the member of that family who became Jesus Christ who was actually doing the creating according to the will of God the Father. But the second point is more crucial for our topic today. Notice that while every animal God created is explicitly described as being created according to its kind, man is not. It does not say, let us make man according to his kind. If your Bible says that, you need to send it back and you got a bad copy. Unlike all of the animals, God says, let us make man in our image. Unlike the animals... Man was made after the God kind, made to resemble the Creator Himself. And as this passage indicates, and other passages make absolutely clear, God had a remarkable purpose in creating mankind. The purpose of expanding His family and making us a part of it. Man was given remarkable potential and responsibilities that on an infinitely smaller scale reflected God's. He was to have dominion over the creation, as does his creator. In chapter 2, in verse 15 of Genesis, man was told to tend and keep, or to care for and maintain, what God had made. Just as, on a larger scale, all creation is upheld by the word of God's power. And mankind was to build a family, just as God is building a family. But there is an important difference. The Bible tells us that God is spirit, not physical. Yet man was made a physical, mortal being who was given a spirit within him. Unlike God, mankind did not have eternal life inherent within him. He would need to eat and breathe to maintain a physical existence. While the other essential ingredient in his development was created over time godly character. In order to fulfill their purpose of becoming truly and fully children of God, Adam and Eve had to develop God's character within them. The commitment to choose the right and good way, God's way, anytime a choice has to be made. And to this end, 
God created two trees in the garden, representing two ways of life. We read about them in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 9. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We learn from God in chapter 3 and verse 22 that the tree of life represented eternal life. The result of becoming a child of God with his character and his nature, the way of life that God the Father and Jesus Christ had lived and enjoyed for eternity together and which they wanted to share. As 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8 tells us, God is love and his way of life is the way of give utterly without selfishness or greed. It's the way of outgoing concern for others. But the other tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, represented the other way, the way of get instead of give. It represented choosing for yourself what is right and what is wrong, just as Satan had done earlier. God commanded Adam and Eve very specifically in chapter 2 and verses 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. To sin... To reject the command of God and choose one's own way over his way of love would incur the death penalty. For God will not give eternal life and glory as he has to those who will not also live his way. God gave man a choice because man had to develop holy, righteous character like God's. And we cannot develop character without choices to make. So enter the serpent. We read in Genesis chapter 3 that there was a serpent in the garden that tempted Eve to disobey God and to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, to choose the way of get instead of give. Revelation 12.9 teaches us that the serpent was actually Satan the devil himself. When Satan came into the garden to tempt Adam's wife Eve, it was going to be the first test of humanity's character. Which would they choose? The sad story is recorded in Genesis chapter 3. The serpent tempts Eve to eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, deceiving her and telling her that she was immortal, that she won't die as God had said, in essence calling God a liar. Eve gives in to temptation and eats. And as we read in chapter 3 and verse 6, she also gave to her husband and he ate. Given the chance to reject the false God of this age and choose the true God who created him, Adam chose the way of Satan. He chose to determine right and wrong for himself, and he failed the test. Satan had lied. Adam and Eve would die, just as God had said. Romans 6.23 tells us that all we can earn by sin is death, and Adam and Eve earned just that. And every generation of their children, generation after generation, including us, would do the same. As Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It is this choice by our first parents that determined the rest of history and has crafted the world in which we live today.
In Adam, mankind rejected the revealed knowledge of God, his guidance, his perfect way of life, and decided that he would do things his own way. Satan remained the ruler of this world. And Adam, by choosing the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, took the responsibility of determining good and evil for himself without God's guidance. And as his children, we have done the same ever since. Rather than a human society built upon the principle of yielding to the revealed wisdom of a loving God, mankind has continued to reject that continuing in the deception of Satan the devil, building his own rules for society, his own educational systems and philosophies, his own theories of economics and commerce, a highly competitive world of vanity, covetousness, and strife in which the fundamental principle is the way of get every man for himself. But thankfully, this really isn't the end of the story. As Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 22, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. There is remarkably good news at the end of this tale, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But first, I want to remind you of the incredibly helpful CD we're offering on today's program. The Day of the Lord will teach you out of your own Bible the prophetic details concerning the day which Jesus Christ returns triumphantly to destroy the works of the devil and to complete the plan of God. The CD is completely free with no obligation. Please call us using the number on your screen or visit us at tomorrowsworld.org to request yours. To receive this program's offer absolutely free, or if you would like more information, visit our website online at tomorrowsworld.org. Once again, that's tomorrowsworld.org. Or you can write us at the address shown. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World. Call now. Welcome back. We've seen that by choosing Satan's way of rebellion over obedience, deception over truth, and choosing right and wrong for oneself rather than following the instructions of a merciful God, our first parents, Adam and Eve, set the course of human history and civilization for the next 6,000 years. Revelation 12.9 says that Satan the devil has deceived the whole world. As the ruler of this world and the God of this age, he continues his plan of deception, clouding the minds of humanity so they continue to try to keep doing it all their way, stumbling in the dark from occasional success to inevitable failure. But God's plan for mankind was not thwarted. He is allowing this to progress for a reason. For 6,000 years, God has allowed mankind to write his own lesson of the misery that comes from trying to do things your way and from rejecting the way of love and life 
to learn through 6,000 years of sweat and toil under the deceptive slavery of Satan the devil that mankind needs his creator's guidance and help. Although Adam and Eve earned for themselves the death penalty by sinning against God, and although all of us, you and me too, have done the same, repeating in our own ways the same mistake Adam and Eve did in rejecting God to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, choosing to define those terms for themselves, God was not caught unawares by Adam's choice. In Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8, Jesus Christ is called the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. From the very beginning, God the Father and the one we now call Jesus Christ had a plan that should Adam sin, Christ would come to earth as our Creator made flesh and give His life in place of ours so that the death penalty could be satisfied. As our Creator, only He could do this. As only His life is truly worth all mankind's put together. And during this 6,000 years of mankind's learning the hard lessons of history, God the Father has been calling some here, some there, opening up their minds so they can see past the devil's deception, so they can see the truth of his word without confusion. Perhaps some of you are being called right now. He's been calling a few to his son, as Christ explains in John 6, and 65, to receive his Holy Spirit and to develop his character in them, just as Adam could have done, struggling against the wiles and attacks of Satan the devil, so that at Christ's return, they can be raised to meet him, transformed into children of God and reign in glory with Jesus Christ for a thousand years. During those days, and the days described in more detail in the CD that we're sending you, the kingdom of God will be established throughout the earth. And those who have struggled in the flesh now will help Christ teach the rest of mankind then, so that all humanity can eventually come to Christ to know their purpose, no longer stumbling in darkness, acting on best guesses and theories only to cause more pain than good so that all of humanity will finally know the truth. At that time, a world once held captive will know the full meaning of the words of Jesus Christ spoken in John chapter 8 and verse 32. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There is so much that we could not cover completely on today's program, and I do hope that you'll request the free CD that we're offering today. The inspirational hope this CD offers is something everyone needs to know. And I also hope that you'll tune in again next week. Roderick Meredith, Richard Ames, Rod King, and I will be back, ready to teach you more about the world we live in today and the world to come and the glorious part that you can have in it. Until then, take care. To receive this program's offer absolutely free, or if you would like more information, visit our website online at tomorrowsworld.org. Once again, that's tomorrowsworld.org. Or you can write us at the address shown.
To view today's program, order the free literature offered, or for more information on today's vital subject, visit us online at www.tomorrowsworld.org. The preceding program is produced by the Living Church of God.